Hey, everybody, and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and at long last, we are back. Uh, we took a hiatus for vacation, and we have what some might say is the, the bigger, better, best episode of Loki to talk about today. That's right. We're going into episode five with some uh, seasoning of episode four as well. But episode five, Journey into Mystery, which is a direct you know call out for where Loki was first introduced in the comics. And to go over this episode, I have an excellent guest with me, Mr. Kevin Novinsky. Kevin, how are you? Hey, Alex. Thanks for having me. I'm glad I uh, could be on and uh, talk some Loki with you. Yeah, super excited to dive into this episode. We were talking beforehand. This is a, uh, these last two episodes have been really cool uh, because not a lot happens in the episode, but at the same time, so much happens. So it's one of those ones where, I mean, this one's not that way, where this one, you need to watch this one like multiple times to catch all of the Easter eggs. But I feel like in both respects for the story, uh, you, you only need to really watch it once. Like the, the storyline can kind of be summed up pretty quickly, but there's so much meat to the story. So I, I can't wait to dive into this and, and talk about it with you. So before we do, uh, like I said, we're going to briefly, since we didn't last week, talk about uh, episode four, uh, just some thoughts on that overall thoughts of uh, what you felt uh, that one did for the series. Uh, I liked it. It was uh, it was definitely uh, an enjoyable episode all around. Um, yeah, like you said, it was um, kind of you could sum it up probably quickly in the way that the episode was. It was like not a lot happened, but at the end, for sure, there was that like the post credit scene was definitely the big talking point. I feel like because uh, it was the first one for the series uh, this time around. So, and it, I think it's the earliest we've had a post credit scene out of all the, uh, Disney plus series so far. Um, but conversely for episode five, we didn't get one, you know, so it's, it's, but I definitely felt episode four, like it needed a post credit scene because I remember when I was watching it first, uh, in the moments when, uh, Mobius got pruned, it was like, is he really gone? Like, I don't know. And then like the gears started turning us like, are if there, we've been seeing the pruning, but we we've only seen a little bit of it every time. And so like, is it really actually like deleting somebody like out of existence? And so then, yeah, then we get to the end where we see the timekeepers are uh, at least what they're showing in the TVA are just um, androids and the wizard of Oz effect. And then Loki goes and he gets pruned and you're like, okay, well, Hiddleston's the, the lead of the series. So like, are they really like killing him? Like there's, there's gotta be something. So yeah, at, at that moment I was like, oh, there's gotta be, uh, when I remember watching it initially, I was like, oh, there's gotta be some sort of credit scene to just show like what, like what happened to him. And then yeah, seeing him wake up in the, wherever he was. And then you see the three other variants that they bring there. It was like, just a great way to end the episode. And um, but yeah, the episode four had a lot of good stuff. I liked the return of uh, Jamie Alexander as Lady Sif. That was pretty cool to see her back for the first time since uh, Thor the Dark World. So that was, and I guess, well, I guess it's some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes as well, but you know, really Thor the Dark World. So that was fun to see. And uh, yeah, some other good stuff and uh, especially still the dynamic with uh, Loki and uh, Mobius and whatnot. So, yeah. yeah. What about you, Alex? Yeah, and and I we'll dive into. There's a there's a big piece you left out there that we'll dive into before we start on this because it kind of through lines in around the nexus point that is created by Loki mm, and yes. Sylvie. I think mm -hmm. there's a good conversation to be had there. And yeah, I I don't remember what episode uh, of the podcast we talked about it, but I know we had mentioned that 
that that it wasn't pruned. The pruning wasn't killing them. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. We certainly didn't say it was sending them to, uh, and I'll say this too, spoilers ahead for both episode four, episode five. You should have already seen episode four, but if you haven't seen five yet, go pause it and watch it. It's worth it. Um, but the uh, the pruning, we didn't say, you know, they're going to get sent to the void, but I, I think I'd posited like, well, what if that was how you get people to become part of the TVA? I think was what I had said. Like the minute you get pruned, you're essentially like reset and turn into a TVA agent where your mind's wiped or you're put somewhere where you're in like a training program or something like that. So uh, I, but, but credit to Marvel because when you're watching it, you, you kind you forget about all of that. And so when it happened, I was like, oh my God, it's like, no, Mobius, no. And then I was like, yeah, there's no way. There's no way when Loki got hit. And so it was perfect for them to have that. And I think that's another uh, tip of the cap to Marvel too, of of giving us post-credit scenes only when necessary. Because I think, you know, all of us would agree, we'd probably want a post-credit scene after every single episode. But really with them not having one this week really shows their restraint in saying, okay, we're only going to have one if it absolutely helps the story move forward. Uh, Which, you know, kind of questionable in terms of them barely having any for Falcon and Winter Soldier. But like even with WandaVision, theirs were all perfect as well when when they tied them up. So that, yeah, that post-credit scene was by far, and I think I've heard other people say this too, but it it really was one of the best post-credit scenes that I've seen in a Marvel property just because you got so much Loki in one sitting and, and while... Again, uh, you know, the the Disney machine kind of ruins some of this for you anyway, in terms of we already knew Richard Grant was going to be in this. We already knew that there's going to be more Lokis and that, you know, they, they've previewed other things. It, you know, we didn't expect to see it the way that they did, which felt very much like Loki in Avengers when he's looking up at the Avengers, looking down mm-hmm. at him. But now it's just all these different versions of himself. So that was really cool. Uh, and alligator Loki was great. I, I loved yep. that. And I, I think there was talk too of like, is that just the kid's pet? And I was like, man, I hope it's not. And so I'm really glad that that's not. But yeah, it was a super quick episode. Again, no surprise on the TVA being complete lying, uh, you know, idiots in that regard. And uh, the timekeepers being absolutely false. Uh, but it was still fulfilling to see them kind of act the way that they did and get it to happen the way that it did. Great fight. Uh, loved that B-15 kind of that that whole scene with B-15 and the uh, Sylvie was fantastic as well and then we'll like I said we'll we'll go into Sylvie and uh, Loki's nexus point so they're as they're on uh, Lamentis uh, what did you think based on this and now based on everything we've seen now in episode five what is their nexus point do you think yeah so I definitely felt there was some uh Something definitely that was definitely part of the spark, but I, I, I feel like after seeing that episode and reading some stuff that people said and other thoughts, and then seeing uh, this week's episode, I definitely feel there's some romantic connection there potentially, but also more of just Loki seeing and Sylvie and Sylvie seeing and Loki like how like you can overcome the obstacles and be like a better version of yourself and just like be an epitome. Uh, the optimized version of a Loki, you know, and I think seeing that and having that kindred spirit between the two of them, just like it was fulfilling for them and in something that neither of them have really experienced before as having sort of like an equal, but also having qualities the other doesn't. So I think just having, realizing that and getting that relationship forming, I think is kind of just like, it's less of, kind of how 
Mobius was like how narcissistic of it to be like liking your own self like that's part of it I think but I don't I think there's there's more to it than just simply saying oh like Loki's in love with himself there's a uh and I totally agree with what you're saying is actually I I that would have been my response as well and I think this episode really shone a light on that in terms of the low all of the different Loki's kind of realizing and uh, we will get to it eventually, but Mobius has that line where he says it's never too late to change. And I think with Loki realizing in the last few episodes, and and again, uh, Hiddleston's just killing it of really showing his how how quick he can change in obviously a short amount of time. Uh, but you know, Sylvie's doing the same thing. She's changing in different ways that Leo, that Loki is changing in, but they're both kind of filling up different parts of their own cups, so to speak. And mm-hmm. so I think the Mobius line that he says about, you know, how narcissistic of you to me and, you know, no, no discredit to anybody who feels that way. If they do, you know, I'm sorry, you feel that way of like, Oh, I don't want this to be like a romance or whatnot. I, you know, how narcissistic is it? And it's like, that's a very valid way of looking at this, but you got to think of it like this. I, I feel like how many people out there, especially audience members have a problem just loving themselves and, you know, that self-love that's, you know, there's certain people who are, you know, it's very easy for them to love themselves and they're narcissists because of it because they think everything they do is amazing. Well, we've learned in this show that Loki doesn't think that much that highly of himself, right? Like he talks about how weak he is, how, how fearful he is, how he does everything as just a, a plight to pretend and, and make it seem that way. And so now he's finally seeing somebody who doesn't care, who isn't afraid to be themselves. And that's sparking that inside him. And he being able to change that sparking Sylvie because she feels like she has to be the same person all the time, this now hardened person through life. So again, to the people who say, yeah, he's being a narcissist, cool. Like if you want to feel like that, it's that way. I don't think that's how they intended it to be. I think they're intending it as like a, they literally are loving themselves in, in the best way possible of like, you're getting to see this other version, like imagine if you had some issue with yourself, I don't know, I'm sure we all have issues with ourselves, things we wish we could do differently, and meeting another version of yourself where that person is doing it, like I, I would fall in love with myself in that moment, because I would be like, just to know that I could do that, and that I could be on that path to grow in that way, I would be obsessed with that person, I'd be like, I want to be around you all the time, I want to learn that so that I can do it. And so in that regard, I love it. And I think that is what triggered the nexus point is that, like we said, you know, Loki can't change. Loki's supposed to be this, this supporting character who builds other people up and uh, he's always the bad guy. And so in that moment, both of them realizing that they can be a better version of themselves, not only that, but that they can love themselves that's the nexus point is like a Loki is not supposed to be able to, they're supposed to loathe themselves so Mm -hmm. much that they treat other people poorly. And so in order for them to grow or they're growing, that creates that nexus point. So that, that was my take from it. And I, like I said, I, I teared up when that, that scene came on in the fourth episode, just because I thought it was perfectly played. And, and again, you could argue like, well, they only knew each other for what, an episode? But you have to remember when they landed in Lamentis, it, it was supposed to be 12 hours till the Nexus uh-huh. event, which still right. is not a long time. But again, you're loving yourself. that You're not trying to learn this yeah. brand new person. So you could take 12 hours to learn some great new fact about yourself that you never learned and fall in love with yourself. So that's kind of, that's kind of how I saw it. Nice. Yeah, I agree with all that. 
So uh, that's where, and that, that answers our question for how are they going to get out of Lamentis? I know we talked about that in the, the prior episode too. We, we knew that's what it was going to be is that they were going to trigger some Nexus event. We just didn't know mm-hmm. how, because the only assumption was it had to be something powerful enough to overrun an apocalypse, which it did. So they both, which was weird though. They so we got two, actually it wasn't weird. Two doors open. They both get taken in. Obviously they're not going to go through the same door. They would probably pull a trick. But they get sequestered off and all of that. And yeah, they beat the timekeepers. Timekeepers are fake. We knew that all along. Mm-hmm. But then Loki gets dusted and he sees himself. So at that point, it was like agony. Well, I'm just honestly, I'm glad I was on vacation because I didn't think about it much during my trip. And so when I got back nice. last night, I was like, oh, Loki tomorrow. This is amazing. So nice uh, that was nice great. reward. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so this this episode was, I think, as we were talking about it more, this is probably my favorite of all the episodes. Now, uh, I loved the first two episodes and I, mm-hmm. I feel like the uh, the way that these are going, I think we're going to be able to look back and see a really cool arc of pairs I feel like the first two episodes are perfect for like, here's what the TVA is. Here's you being able to maybe question them a little bit and, and mm-hmm. seeing the TVA. And then the second two episodes is here's Sylvie and, you know, meeting this other Loki and then flipping all of the TVA on its head. And then the last two episodes is like the redemption. So that's Loki and Sylvie both getting to be the person they always wanted to be, which we see put into motion in this, this fifth episode. And we'll probably see come to fruition in the last episode with probably a cool, hopefully a cool villain reveal by the end. But so let's, uh, let's dive right in. Um, like I, 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 we talked about this beforehand, but yeah, we, I'm not planning to do an episode, uh, scene by scene breakdown. I, I do have some notes of everything. So if I jump mm-hmm. around and I miss something, feel free to call me out. But uh, the episode opens up with Loki in the void and that void is so cool. Uh, mm-hmm. I love it. You know, the, we were saying this episode, again, you could sum up this entire episode in probably a sentence of Loki and Sylvie uh, try to escape the void is basically what this episode is. But there are like 1 million uh, Easter eggs in this episode. So there's so much that you have to dig into to look at because surprisingly, some of those Easter eggs, even if they're silly, they're marking really important things in the MCU of uh, kind of showing that, hey, this thing actually existed. This thing existed because, you know, we give so much credit to Marvel for all that they've done for us. But it's these episodes and the, the movies that are like this where you see just how much they truly care about not just us, but about the craft in terms of like, hey, we want to honor the comics. And I, I always say, I think I talked about this with Robert one time about I would love to just be a fly on the wall in the Marvel planning sessions. And I said, mm-hmm. you know, my secret goal is I want to break into Marvel. Now I used to be, I want to work for them. Now I want to break in because you know that all these planning sessions that they have, they have to be recorded because they're, they're just like any other yeah. business, right? Like if they're doing it over, it's probably recorded or I want to take those files and see, because <laughs> you got to think that what like is one of those people being like, Hey, I was reading this comic and I just saw Thanos has a helicopter. We got to put that in there. Like, I feel like that's the kind of magic that they have at Marvel. Marvel is is or some guys like man when I was a kid I read this this comic let's throw this thing in here and they're just Mm -hmm. like cool let's do it so yeah it it really felt like all of the easter eggs were in a way perfectly placed yeah for sure I I definitely agree this was definitely an easter egg heavy episode and uh some of them were just in the background and it was like you gotta like look quickly to find it and others were like on my first viewing, I was like, oh my God, like that's this or that's that. And yeah, like you were mentioning like Thanos's uh, helicopter. Like I saw that the first time I was like, 
they finally put it in there because I mean I feel like there have been people or Kevin Feige or others who have just been like they know it exists and it's like but like this is the context you put it in because like when like at least in the Infinity Saga like leading up to uh, Thanos' Endgame and everything no pun intended um, like where would you ever put him riding on a helicopter or something you know so like you wouldn't put that but like you can totally throw it here in the void in the place of forgotten like things that are just not supposed <laughs> where to be Easter eggs you know? like, die. Where, where Easter eggs could die yeah so like you see that and um it was uh yeah the episode episode was great just to find just to find all those because you knew as soon as it um started especially going off of the end credit from last scene uh last episode you knew it was gonna be um be a fun ride and honestly i was thinking of right before we started too and i was finished watching it again i i had kind of wished that we had seen at least one of the holographic Lokis we saw in the second episode, the very, like, the soccer, like, we did? Oh, I missed that then, if we did. Ooh, yeah, yeah, we did. Well, I'll, I'll at least the, uh, yeah, uh, the we'll dreadlock that. one. What? Yeah. In the, uh, when uh, vote Lo- oh, okay. President Loki is in, one of the people in his mm-hmm. entourage is the, uh, it's like he had, like, dreadlock horns or something oh, okay. like that. He looked kind of like a Rastafarian almost. He had, like, all the bead necklaces and whatnot. He was gotcha. one of them. Okay, yeah, because I knew we saw like the soccer Loki and like the Hulk Loki and the like the Frost Giant Loki or whatever when uh, Mobius was showing the hologram. So uh, I was expecting those, but if uh, there was another one that I missed, then I'll have to go back again and uh, watch for that one. But yeah, it was a great episode. Yeah, the uh, the and I I didn't know this and I should have known this, but the Frost Giant Loki and the hulk loki are both in jason aaron's thor there's a bit okay uh, and it's when russell dowderman's doing the art and i would i always will recommend i actually just got the first three complete editions in the mail of 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 it and uh yeah there's a whole full page spread where it's like loki with a bunch of lokis there's like a cat loki there but both of those lokis are identical in there the one that's in the show is not in there i don't think but that's probably why they they put them in this show but and as i'm looking at my notes too i don't even think that's how the episode opened up the episode actually opened up with uh sylvian renslayer and there's a cu- two two big mm-hmm. bits i wanted to talk about with this so she's interrogating renslayer just like we knew she would uh, ma- demanding some answers and renslayer at this point we are kind of looking at her i, I mean i've always looked at her as you know she's a bad guy right I, i've never looked at her differently maybe she can change i believe all people can change but we kind of get almost actually I, i'll say i think we're still ambivalent not ambiguous, ambiguous to if her being a bad guy, because mm-hmm. there are multiple instances in this episode where it seems like she's a good guy, but then there's also spots where she's a bad guy. So the, the first thing I'm going to point out is Renslayer knows about the void. And so she explains what this void is. So when I, when you look at that, and so actually I had rewatched this episode and then I watched like the last 10 minutes of the last episode and uh, you know, she, she, disin- she has Mobius disintegrated and uh she's got like a look on you know she says prune him and she looks very sad about it and all this but i'm thinking like but she knew about the void so she knows that he's not gonna die that he probably will die right going into the void but she doesn't know he she knows he's not being disintegrated actually and same with loki and so i just wonder like okay how much does renslayer actually know and we, we talked about that uh in the last one too of like she knows a lot but I, I was under the impression, and maybe that, that was the one thing I wanted to call out for, for the fourth episode was like, she knew that the timekeepers were fake. Uh, and I, or 
yeah, I, I think that's what it was that I, I, that she did because she does not freak out when they get destroyed. And yeah. I would think someone of her stature and her um, fastidiousness would probably be like, oh my God, my, you know, my overlords, my blessed overlords, they're dead, but she's not shocked in the slightest. So that to me tells me that she knows, she maybe doesn't know exactly who it is, but she knew you know, maybe got an email from the guy saying, Hey, it's three timekeepers, but you'll never actually meet who I am. And it was like, okay, cool. I'll believe anything because I'm following you blindly. But with this now her, she knows the void too. So it's like, is the only thing that she doesn't know is who the actual timekeeper is. And she's in on all the other secrets because that, that to me is very interesting. But so she says, she says the end of time is still being written uh, the timekeepers are transforming it in, into a utopia. That's what the decrees say. Uh, and she's kind of doing this with Miss Minutes. Well, this is before Miss Minutes comes in, but we'll, and we'll dive into that. But what do you think about that, of her kind of revealing that information to Sylvie? Yeah, I mean, I when I was watching, I definitely for a moment thought that um, Renslayer was like innocent of all this of like she didn't know what was going on or whatever and like because the way um Gugu and Batha Ra plays it like you definitely like it caught gotcha. me for a second of like oh she definitely doesn't know this but I, def I definitely am of the mindset that she like yeah she knew the void I don't know if she necessarily knew or didn't know the timekeepers in the vault weren't real but at least she knew that however she was being spoken to like those were like avatars more or less right like, so exactly. i think she like she, so like she knew that at like yeah. so she knew that they weren't physically there but she knew whoever was controlling them was still that was still like she was still speaking to the time whoever's running this place or whatever you know she just knew that those three beings weren't the physical manifestation so um yeah it's just she her knowledge and like what her role in this is very interesting when you compare it to like somebody like Hunter B-15 now who is um she is like she found out the truth and like she had also I would say been like Renslayer in the past where she was like devote to the timekeepers and the TVA and making sure everything was running and in, in for order but then once she realizes that everything she's been told is a lie like she's now like what does it mean how like like why is this happening like she wants like no part of it whereas um Renslayer now was just trying to I think find out for herself who these actual beings are because that could be the only piece of info that she doesn't know as based on her conversation with Miss Minutes of at least trying to find the info so she can protect them versus Sylvie and Loki who are going to destroy them. Yeah, and we'll di we'll dive into this here. Actually, we'll dive into it real shortly because we're going to be talking about Eliath here. And uh, I looked up. I, I when I first watched it, I was like, oh, we'll we'll start here. So Loki sh shows up, uh, and I loved this too. Those bouncing bird balls. Yeah, I I, I don't think that's any comic thing or anything like that. But I, what a cool design of like basically like a peacock that doesn't have mm -hmm. a head but just has a yep. ball that bounces. Very mm -hmm. creepy, but also very purpley and very cool. So that was nice. But, you know, they they help him up. The Lokis help him up and we get to see uh, a lot more. And I, I think Richard Grant is I mean, when they said when I heard that he was in this movie or show, I just like I, I calmed down, obviously, because like I said, I, I can't stand that. I mean, I, I can't believe it. I looked Marvel.com already has the debrief from episode five. And it's like this hasn't even been out 24 hours yet. And it's like, yep. I just don't get how it's 
it it feel it sadly feels very commoditized the whole process which is sad so I, I try to remove myself from all that and not read anything because I feel like the more you read the less meaning you kind of get from the entire show but uh, we get the you know anyway Richard Grant was phenomenal I, yeah. when they announced him I was like he's going to be perfect and I think they picked the perfect Loki for him too mm-hmm. because no one else could pull off that costume but you had to have somebody in that costume so he did so good uh, boastful Loki was fine whatever I, I knew he wasn't going to be anything because we've never seen a boastful Loki before uh, they should have called him the betrayer Loki but that would have probably given it away and then uh, kid Loki was fantastic too uh didn't look like his character in the comics and i think that's because of his hair mostly like the you know in the kid he kind of looks like he's got a a a black cap on over you know above under his crown and then again alligator Loki was phenomenal but so they you know the clouds start showing up in the distance and he's like what's going on what is this and he says that's Eliath. he says you're in the void that's Eliath, and we have to go yeah and and he's like come on we need to leave and uh so Eliath. I, I didn't understand what they were saying until Loki said the name until at the very end of the episode. I, I couldn't hear it. I was like, what is a lio? I think is, I was like, what is he saying? Because I was like, I would have recognized that. Like, I, I thought that this was uh, the Black Winter from J- Donnie Cates' Thor run, uh, uh-huh. which is this identical giant, you know, ball of clouds sort of thing. But Elias is actually a character from the comics and is a direct tie-in to both Kang and Renslayer. Uh-huh. And so Kang is, you know, obviously taking over time and all of that. And Elioth is kind of doing the same thing. And Kang kind of, from what I haven't read those comics, but I read the, you know, the, the thing, it sounds like Kang avoids fighting him if he can, because he's very powerful, but also uses him to his benefit to wipe out timelines when needed. But there was a bit in there that said that, uh, and I'll see if I think I still have it up uh yeah oh no i didn't i deleted it but um it was that renslayer came to save kang uh from Elioth, but then found out that kang was dead or something and so she took over so in in regards to what you were saying a little bit ago about renslayer going to find out who this is i'm wondering if that's going to be her storyline is that whoever this is whether it's kang or whoever that she's Mm -hmm. she says she wants to help them so i'm wondering if she really is going to be the and I don't know if that's going to be too tacky by the end of it of like, oh, I, she's going to be the person to try and save the bad guy. They defeat the bad guy and Renslayer like is, oh, I'm the new bad guy. But everyone's like, no one cares, Renslayer. Like we defeated him. Like you can't control time. You're just mm-hmm. a variant. And uh, and that would be kind of a sad ending for her. But I, I get, I, I'm sure they'll pull it off. But that was cool. I mean, Elias itself, what did you think of Elias? Yeah, I mean, I definitely got big um, smoke monster vibes from uh, Lost. That was a big, uh, oh yeah, big, uh, smoke. a lot of this episode had Lost vibes to it, like their their uh, the Loki Palace with the hatch and everything. yeah, you know, yeah. so a uh, lot of lot of Lost, uh, kind of like how like uh, the Lamentous uh, episode was like a Doctor Who kind of inspired episode. This one feels like. Um, but um, like you, I didn't. I thought when uh, Richard E. Grant first said it, he said, it's a Lyoth. Like, I thought there was like, not the name is a yeah, yeah. you know? So like, I was like, what's, I thought like these beings were Lyoths and stuff, so, you know, so it took like, a, by the end of the first viewing and then the second viewing again to be like, oh, the name is a And then that's like, uh, I was so, see, uh, seeing some things, like you said, how it ties into Kang and everything like that. So um, yeah, but yeah, seeing this, it was cool seeing what, 
um, it could do like essentially like it was like attracted to like big disturbances or whatever like that when they come into the void obviously when new timelines come and like it like just like pretty much as we saw with the ship later in the episode it just kind of like devours everything with it yeah it just like kind of, and then like it leaves it in the desolate state which is why all the scenery is all this like uh, like crumbling uh buildings and everything like that you know so that was interesting that it like kind of like sucks all the life like any living thing more or less out of it and just starts decaying everything so yeah it was cool to see that and then also like when yeah when they're leaving slightly after and then loki has his his second like what's going on tantrum and like uh kid loki's like shut up because like your loud noise is like kind of attracting it to us you know so it's kind of like like being attracted to sound and like big distraction things that we kind of notice at the end of the episode when we get there with what happens then but um yeah it's just it's just a cool design but yeah i definitely got big um big, also kind of like a little bit dormammu vibes maybe a little bit because like a cloudy fate in a face would you say a, you maybe know. some galactus vibes uh yeah maybe those galactic yeah that galactus vibes uh, but uh <laughs> um yeah but yeah it was cool uh, and the other thing too, and I'm glad for this bit of speculation that I, I Googled it and I was like, oh, you know, it's a comic book character. I was like, wait, so they have the word lie in the name. I was like, this thing's a fake. <laughs> but then I was like, oh, okay, it's actually a character. And mm-hmm. I'm like, they kept saying it's a lie. And I'm like, oh, so it's, it's, it's fake, but it kind of was, it basically acted as so many different things, I think. And we'll, again, I think you're going to realize that in the, the final episode too, of like, it's the giant, a quiet place type monster that is also like the guardian of the place or the the custodian so to speak Mm -hmm. Uh, but then it's also the curtain for the man behind like it's it's basically the curtain so you got to literally pull him back in order to see things so they were able to and and again another reason it's such a great episode but like who else would be able to put a giant smoke mon Tim Story tried to do it and he absolutely <laughs> failed. Yet yeah. here Marvel did it in a very short span of time. Not only was the CGI amazing, but it, it literally satisfied all of these different things for what a bad guy needs to be with very little explanation. Like they mm-hmm. just give you a couple quick scenes and it's like, oh, I know this thing is bad. And, and I know it's it's more than what it seems, but it's also like, you don't question it too much. And I, I tend to do that like multiple times. I was like, man, I would love to just zoom out and see how big the actual void is like does it just go on forever is there just these like elysian type fields where things land is it a million miles long is it only you know this spot so i don't think they're going to go that into it and show that but i still those are the questions that i had on it but yeah he uh so we get to that spot where they're uh what does he say the alligator loki says something and uh loki's like what did he say and he says uh whatever he says he goes uh or what is it what do they call him and not a uh, classic Loki. classic loki classic yeah loki. Uh, i loved this line of he's overly sensitive just like the rest of us yeah i thought that was so perfect uh and i loved that he under he was like the only one that really understood the alligator but at the same time kid loki's the only one that gets to hold him which so mm-hmm. like this alligator is clearly picking favorites with yeah. everybody which is so cool um yeah so then from there we get oh we get to find out which and I'll, i'm curious to see what you think of this they he starts talking crap to kid loki and uh classic loki's like shut up dude this guy's in charge and he's like what what are you talking about he's like yeah he's the king and he says well what was your nexus event he says i killed thor which one badass Mm -hmm. but two was there like a power struggle at some point where he had the is is that proving your dominance that you're a little kid that killed thor so you're in like what was that all about what did you take from that yeah i mean i just 
I, I just took it more of just being like, this is a Loki that you don't mess with. Like, even though he's a kid, like he's the one who maybe is the, one of the only ones to have killed Thor, you know, probably while they're growing up. And he did some trick or something to probably at some point to make his Thor fall for something and like get him killed or whatever. And then obviously that's diverging from the sacred timeline because they're supposed to grow up together. So um, yeah, that was, that was a big, uh, uh, like, oh, like, yeah, like, 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 over here. Like, that's why he's king. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool, cool. Yeah. So, because I was just like, I thought, I thought it was super cool. I'm glad they called that up, but it felt, it was like they were trying to make it seem like it was a throwaway line, but I was like, I feel like there's something more there. Like, that's a pretty big deal if those other, especially boastful Loki is like, mm-hmm. he even says it later when he betrays him. He says, like, sorry, my liege. And it's like, like what did this kid do to make these other Lokis who are way older and probably stronger, you know, respect him. But uh, from there we get to, uh, we go back to the TVA and Renslayer is kind of sharing. Now she's got, he, she's got uh, the temp pad and kind of explains the, the temporary truce, you could say. And, and, and uh, Miss Minute, we get our Miss Minutes, which mm-hmm. I know you've been looking for. Yep. And uh, Love I, I want to say, minutes. did your Miss Minute sensors go off at all? Sensing anything in this, in this about her? I mean, I don't, not as much as in the earlier earlier episodes i was like oh it's like miss minutes is behind like everything like she's gonna be evil she's gonna be the one running it but like i like i didn't sense it as much like it took me a while to realize what especially as we'll talk about like when they're discussing everything when uh renslayer's like talking about the void and like oh we can't really get there with the temp pad and then sylvie's like there's got to be a way and then renslayer is like oh the uh you know the or, the or no miss minutes yeah or miss minutes suggested or one of them suggested like the spacecraft and then like miss minutes is like over on her side like scrolling through her virtual rolodex or whatever and like it's taking the second and then like sylvie's catching on at this point and i'm not super catching on the first viewing and then she's like hey miss minutes like what's like where's this file like what like what's going on and then miss minutes is like uh it's there somewhere like obviously she's stalling for time or something so i'm just at that point then i'm curious of like what what renslayer said that something in miss minutes's programming or whatever however she operates was like we need to send out a distress call. Cause like all it did was like, however, whatever she was doing with the file or something like somehow that's what alerted the Minutemen to obviously, you know, come in and uh, try and take Sylvie. So um, yeah, like I, I don't think Miss Minutes was inherently trying to like set up Sylvie, but like she was just being operated through Renslayer. Like I feel like whenever she's called, like she kind of takes on the yeah. personalities of whoever is she's serving off of that temp pad, you know? So like when she was like working with Loki, like that was a separate thing. Whereas, but it's all still one big thing because she's a programming, but she's not, and she's like live, but she is, you know, so. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like yeah, an AI with a personality. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah. So at this point now, I'm just like, I hope this minutes can help them. Like now I'm like, let's have <laughs> now you want her to be the good guy. Yeah, now I want I want them, her to help him, or she becomes the, or like when she goes when like you were saying when Renslayer goes to become the new villain, Miss Minutes is right behind her and takes out Renslayer, and then we got Miss Minutes there sitting on Ooh, the throne or whatever. I like <laughs> um, that. No, that. Yeah, that's that's far out there, but uh, yeah, no, I but yeah, that sequence though, I I did enjoy um just seeing what how Renslayer was still kind of like uh trying to figure out Sylvie and like what trying to figure out what her motivations of like 
to the what extent is she still trying to continue to go after the TVA agents for or not the TV, the timekeepers or whoever's the head of the TVA at, versus caring about Loki and everything like that, you know, and then obviously at the end of that when the Minutemen come and uh, Sylvie makes the decision knowing or trying to trust Renslayer when she said about the void that it is real to self prune herself, you know, to like go, she, she makes that decision like, okay, if anything Renslayer was saying, I gotta hope that this one is true. So I end up wherever Loki hopefully went. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think to your point, and I I I, I caught it on both times. I had noticed it the first time was her I her saying the void spacecraft that was the the trick yeah. to her because when she says that Miss Minutes moves her files and pulls the other files up. So mm-hmm. I think that Miss Minutes knows that there is no void spacecraft, and obviously as an AI is smart enough to go, oh, that means I need to you know right. get these people called, and so that's when she starts kind of saying how long. Um, so yeah, I totally agree. I think I think it's like she is whoever wh- whoever's using it or who who's using her. There's mm-hmm. a really great line in this bit too, where uh, she says, "Then she's dead too." After she uses the the stick, mm-hmm. so Renslayer's letting her go because she's not revealing to all of the to- the Minutemen that she went into the void. Right, right. She's telling them that she's dead. So again, Renslayer knows more mm-hmm. than the minute people do. She's still clearly. trying to keep that facade. She's still trying to keep some sort of thing going. Right. And you know what's funny is the facade. Now that we're thinking about, because I know we kind of talk, I, I think it really is going off of that. And and it, I did watch an interview at the very beginning of the season with uh with Gugu, Gugu and Yeah, yeah, and she was talking about. Uh, love that name, by the way. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, she was talking about that you know oh is how much is your character like your character in the comics and she said that this is a sense she was like this is like the intro to this character so it's like the origin story exactly origin story and so from what i've again i haven't read about her but from what i've read about you know the biography of her is that at some point in time she betrays kang or something and she's like the whatever so i think that's why she's doing that so maybe that's the receipt we keep on this is that she is a good guy but is it she's more like an anti-hero in that respect of like she's not she wants to take over that guy's job like she wants the timekeeper job she's like loki she wants to rule the tva she Mm -hmm. doesn't want to do it so i think her kind of trying to figure out more about what sylvie knows and all this it's like all to get to that person so she can take them out and do it because i think even when she says that at the end to miss minutes when she's like they could be in danger but she like has a little bit of a smirk on her face when she says it after Miss Minutes disappears. So I think that's what it is. So she doesn't want people to catch on that you can go into the void because she doesn't want to have a bunch of people there sort of thing. So that, again, she, I, I hope we get something super cool like that in this last episode because it'll make rewatching the whole series so much better because I feel like every single episode with her, she's like one step away from what we want her to be, right? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like, she gets to the spot and you're like, Ooh, and then it never happens. And it's like, Oh, okay. Well, what is she then? So I, I think we're going to get a big thing and maybe she, uh, Ooh, maybe that that's a prediction. Her plus Kang in quantum mania, maybe Gugu is going to be in quantum mania. That would be cool. Uh, but yeah, so then we get back to the, uh, the void. Uh, they're all drinking wine, which is fantastic. Uh, always happy to see that. I, I'd love to see what year that bottle is, but I'm sure it's, <laughs> 
it's probably an ancient casket of whatever that has mm-hmm. been hidden in the void. Uh, they have a great conversation around. I, I love this classical Loki talking about the blades uh, stunt our magical potential. And I didn't catch that on the first viewing. Uh, I, I was actually kind of confused when he was saying, I was like, dude, what are you talking about? But I think, and we're going to get into a theory when we get to the end, I think he's setting something up with that uh, a lot because he's talking about how he uh, he did not get killed by Thanos. And I also love that too, because it was like, so is it, Dro- is it Josh Brolin in every universe or is it a different Thanos that shows up in his timeline? That's an actually an argument, a question too that I have with you and, and uh, I'll ask is Sylvie, uh, classic Loki. All of these Lokis are different Lokis. So when they talk about the sacred timeline, is that only one timeline or is it a sacred timeline of multiverses? Because you can't have right. all of these different Lokis that look different, that talk different, do different things. There should only be one, right? If it's yep. one timeline and it would be Tom Hiddleston's Loki. So are what's going on with these other Lokis? So the way I like the way I thought about it, especially like in the first couple episodes when we saw the Miss Minutes info video and everything like that and like the sacred timeline, like I always thought if you think about like a timeline as like uh, to use some food, like a thing of spaghetti, like a yeah. single strand of spaghetti. And then if you grab a bunch of it and are just like hold, like holding, like holding it in your hand. And so like you have a whole bunch of them running like you have a whole a bunch of spaghetti. And so they're all running in the same direction all next to each other. But then when you get a, a branch, that's just kind of like that strand of spaghetti like breaks and it's like going up out of your, what you're, what's holding it. So that's like where it has to like deviate. So yeah, my thing is like, they're, they're talking, I, the sacred timeline has to be like, it's the way time has to flow for everything. For all multiverses. For, for all, yeah, for okay. all these different, so that's the way I've been viewing it because like, you, got, you can't think of it as one, as just like one singular thing because that would be Tom Hiddleston's Loki. But also in a sense, uh, classic Loki is a much older version. So I just am assuming that's Tom Hiddleston Old, like Richard E. Grant is Tom Hiddleston right. yeah, older, yeah. where Jack uh, Veal, who's Kid Loki, is just playing a younger Tom Hiddleston, you know? So like that's that, and they just get picked off at that the various points in the timeline that they are now appearing in the series. So yeah, Maybe so the way, uh, yeah, so the way I imagined it is that there's multiple timelines and whatnot, but yeah, the, the backstory for classic Loki was reading before we started uh well i think one of those marvel.com uh articles you were mentioning uh mm. michael walter the head writer said uh at least for classic loki loki it, uh it started just having the idea of like a, a what if premise which is kind of what we're getting uh later in the year with the animated series of what if uh, loki had survived uh infinity war you know the death of thanos yeah. like so that's kind of like so that's kind of how they went to it and and stuff and yeah and his backstory it's it's a little sad too that like he realized after like so many years in the isolation that himself like he just gets lonely and he misses his brother thor and other people and that's and then him venture and then uh, apparently the tva didn't feel him not dying was a problem because he went to self-isolation but then once he tried to go back into civilization you know that's when he get he gets pruned or whatever you know but um yeah so i thought that was some uh interesting backstory to like throw so there's like slight differentiations between everyone that every one of those lokis and stuff so yeah um, that i think adds a lot of gravitas to whoever this villain is because 
to not, which, and again, that's like ultimate, if it is Kang, like that to me, that's the, the, even though we know it, that's the cheer in the theater type moment, because like, he is so concerned with making sure that he's on top in all timelines, but I could see it being like different multiversal timelines in that mm-hmm. regard. And I like your spaghetti reference. I, I just recently watched Luca again. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny. <laughs> we called that out too. It was a Luca Loki uh, uh, type of day when we had, we watched both of them on the same day. Nice. Uh, and they, yeah, they sound quite a bit alike, but <laughs> yeah. So, okay. That, that makes a lot more sense. And that makes me a lot more comfortable in that regard. And I think you're right. That was super sad. Um, you know, I, I would wonder though, in every timeline is Loki a frost giant, do you think? I think so. I think, yeah, I feel like. So is Sylvia frost giant then? Do we find that? I think, out yeah, I think, so. I think Sylvia's a frost. Yeah, I think, I think that's, uh, cause well, yeah, cause she said she was adopted. So she's not as guardian. So that's true. Uh, okay. Well, I guess, I mean, we were assuming that meant she wasn't, um, uh, I, I still thought when the, she said that in Lamentis that there were possibly some of the comics character the sylvie lushton uh earth girl uh part of it and it, like the way she was being kind of like reserved i thought there but i think i've come since come around to feel like no there, she's probably like they're the frost giant and like really the only differentiation was the gender and not like anything more than that and um uh so uh yeah so i think they're all frost. i mean well I don't know if the alligator is a frost giant alligator. Who knows? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, because I, 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 maybe you know this. So like he, because you know in Thor he's regular, and then when he touches the casket, that's when he turns mm-hmm. blue. Right. Is it? Is it that he's only half frost giant? Right. Oh, it's been a, it's been a bit. Because if I... he's fully frost giant, then isn't he not being true to himself and looking like a human? Shouldn't they all be yeah. turned into frost giants? Like, yeah, I've, I've interesting predicament. Yeah, but I feel like it's the Asgard upbringing that, like, it, like of turning he was, because he was, that, yeah, because yeah, he was so, because in at least what we saw in the MCU in the first Thor is Odin took him when he was a baby, so it's like he grew up thinking he was Asgardian, so like he wouldn't have known anything otherwise until obviously that's right, he was that, a toddler, huh? Yeah, until he until he learns that he's a frost giant, you know. So, um, but yeah, I forget if he's full or half, I think he's a full frost giant. I don't quote me on that, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna it's been have a to, while. Have to do some research on that. <laughs> yeah. That's that's for the fan, the listeners to do for us. Sometimes yeah. we got to ask for your help, and that's that's one of those times. Yeah, they're probably um, listening oh, and, <laughs> and saying uh, like, "It's this, it's this," and we're like, "We're sorry." <laughs> yes, hey, yeah, I'll I'll do <laughs> yeah. that. I'll re-record this entire episode in the poll. I don't care. <laughs> Uh, so Richard Grant also mentions in here, which, and I love this, how they, they have so many different versions of the God of outcasts now. Mm. So we've gotten all these different terms of all the different ways of what love is and all the different God of this and that and the other. So I like that the God of outcasts, I think that's my least favorite of the explanations of what he's the God of. Uh, but in a sense, I get, I get why, uh, but it was interesting. And then, you know, they all cheers to say God, God of outcast. And I liked to um, young kid. Loki mentions, he says, whenever someone tries to change themselves, they are sent here. Mm-hmm. And so that's why that was the piece early in the episode of mentioning. That's the nexus point was again, like them realizing that they can change. Can change they yeah. want to change. Like that's what it is like Loki can't change. And I think that's also I think people have mentioned that too of why Sylvie got picked up when she got picked up is because she was a good person and was like that that's not Loki and so it was like her wanting to be a good person or realizing she's a good person even at a young age um so then we go we go back to the TVA and uh we got Hunter B15 
who uh, is not pruned. She's sitting in a prison, which is very interesting, but makes sense, I suppose. Uh, Renslayer probably, she knows a lot more about Mobius than she does about B-15, I would say, because they're friends. So her pruning him right away is like, she doesn't need anything. She knows that she can't change him. Whereas with her, I feel like she needs information from her and she's going to keep her alive is kind of why I saw that. But I loved this line of, you only want it she needs it mm-hmm. i love that what'd you Great think of that line. whole bit yeah i mean i definitely thought like did we i mean it was good to see that hunter because it was kind of ambiguous at the end of last episode yeah what yeah. actually had happened like i mean she throws her the the machete uh she hunter b15 throws sylvie the machete and then um uh, kind of it's like knocked out or so, so yeah, I someone assume knocks she, her we out didn't out. see it so because we didn't the old adage of if you don't see it it doesn't happen you know so i, I assumed that she had just gotten knocked out or whatever you know yeah um and i thought maybe she could have escaped or whatever but i guess yeah we find out that she's um she got taken prisoner you know and put in a another sort of time cell that we haven't seen yeah, or whatever, just like this big orange glow thing. But yeah, her I thought her conversation uh, with, because like, again, as I was saying earlier, like 100 B15, she, like, she's just like over it. She's just like, like everything I was doing was a lie. Like uh, I had a previous life and like, she's looking at Renslayer of like, how can you be standing for this or like being a part of this? Like, how can you um, like, keep going through and not let them be okay with all this you know and then yeah that that line that you mentioned like it was really great because it, it was it's so true is that like um Renslayer just uh wants just she just wants this knowledge to I don't know who who's up at the top but like Sylvie needs needs this to like this is like her whole journey of like since she got abducted uh, by the like to find out who the t- head of the time the timekeepers are who's heading the TVA and like taking them out. Like that's her, that's her, like that's her glorious purpose in a, in a sense uh, for Sylvie, you know? So yeah, that was a, that was such a great line. I, I really liked it when I watched it both times. <laughs> Funny enough, it actually perfectly ties into Luca. There's a line in Luca when, uh, when Spulia is talking with the boys and they're wanting to get in. Have you seen the movie? Yes. Oh, okay. Cool. 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 Yeah. So Julia is like uh, talking with them, and they're you know saying we want to win the win the cup, and she's basically like you know you guys don't know anything about anything, right? Like you don't know how to ride a bike, and they're like we but like we want whatever. I don't remember what the line was, but she says he says like we want this, uh-huh. and she says well then all right fine because she says the most important thing is attitude, or she says like you know you guys have the hunger, and I think I think it's so true that like that attitude always will beat out anything else. Like the underdog will always win if they've got the right attitude. And I, I loved her calling that out. I thought that was great. And this is also, so she leaves and uh, pops up Miss Minutes again and is asking, now she's asking for the end of time and all of that information. Or to begin, I, th- I think it's beginning of time, this one. Did she, she want the she beginning wants, of time? I think in this instance, she wants oh, to know yeah, the for beginning. Oh yeah, the creation the cre- of the TV. To know the creation, to know yeah, like, yeah. Who's the, like who's this person that created this. Yeah, and so, so she says, whoever created this place is in danger. I need to find him. Funny that she chose the word need this time, but it's like, just because you say it doesn't make it true. <laughs> You're still going to lose. But uh, again, that, that was that piece. And so she walks away, kind of has a bit of a smirk on her or something. So like, I, again, I don't think she's doing this to, you know, she, he, they're in danger from Loki, but they also might be in danger from Renslayer if she gets her hands on them, whoever that ends up being. 
Uh, but so now we get we go back to the void and uh, we skipped uh, almost this entire bit. I didn't write the notes down on this, but again, short sentence of Sylvie shows up and um, Mobius picks her up in a car, in a pizza car. Yep. And, and I hope you guys have noticed this so far. We have purposely skipped almost all of the Easter eggs. We're going to save these for the end. That's going to be the, that's the stick around at the end of our post credits <laughs> talk. So uh, he picks her up in the car. We get some great conversation between the two of them. I saw a cool call out that that, well, that scene's actually in the trailer, but they uh, they wiped out Sylvie from the back seat. So it's, oh, just, interesting. it's just Mobius driving the car. So you would never have guessed. Yeah, I was uh, gonna, I was gonna go. I wanted to go look at the trailers again because I know like I know there was a shot of uh, the void with I think the Avengers Tower in the background. And one yep, of the and then there's so, also the bit at the very end, and I guarantee you they wiped out his sword of when Loki's standing towards the thing and you know his hair is blowing back. And right. All that. I think that's from the trailer too. Yeah. I, I I definitely need to go. Yeah, back I want to go back and look, well. but but uh, yeah, the car was um uh that was, I mean I'm sure everybody was like I I wanted via jet ski so bad you know but there was no water there you know so like make it like a snowmobile or something like i just it needed to be something for mobius so that he could have his uh jet ski moment. i know but, um, yeah coming in the i mean i mean it, it definitely felt like the, the moment definitely played like he knew once we were explaining once we learned what the void was and that it's like the the dumpster collection for everything um kind of a little bit like um it's a car it sounds like almost you know like where all the stuff in space kind of just goes and gets dumped you know um uh you knew mobius he was going to show up at some point and stuff because if loki was alive and obviously mobius was and it was it was cool that uh he was there to save sylvie when she came in and stuff and um um i and that's also the moment where we get where she realizes that maybe enchanting this uh this uh, monster might uh be the the way to go so that's right she gets a very brief glimpse which i did not get on my first watch yeah i didn't get that either I, didn't I was get... like what is what did she have a vision and i was like yeah i didn't know yeah and i didn't know what the vision movie? was i thought it was weird loki was being it did i was like is that something? a church yeah, yeah. is what I, I thought you know honestly i thought i was like is she getting a vision of the church from the first episode is what mm. i thought but then, yeah, and then I completely forgot. That, and I was like, oh, okay, that's what she was seeing. Now, I've seen some comments, and uh, I want to talk about this with you. I want to set the, the record straight for at least for us. People are saying that Mobius is Loki. And I know we, we talked a Loki variant. And I, I think I may have mentioned this on a prior episode. And I, I'll, I'm laughing for, I'll, I'll say I was wrong too. I, I had said, I don't believe he's a Loki variant. I said, maybe there's a million Mobiuses that there's like hundreds of different ones still could yep. be true, but I, I highly doubt it. But the, the reasoning behind it was like, oh, Mobius survived in the void and only Lokis survive. I don't, it seems a little flimsy to me. I don't think he's I, Loki. Yeah, I don't, I, I, just, he, I mean, maybe you switch some of the letters around and he's just lucky, but I don't <laughs> think he's Loki. Um, I mean, I don't think, um, I, I've gone back and forth on if I feel if Mobius is a Loki or not. Like, it I feel like I, I could see that he is, but I could also see that he isn't. But to the point of um, him surviving, like, um, most of which I don't know if we got to this in the episode yet, but or if we skipped over, but when uh, President Loki comes and invades the um, uh, the bunker, like pretty much most of his army is, or it just seems like the regular people. It seems like 
people that President Loki just kind of like found as they came through and just like they some didn't of look them like, are Lokis, but, some but, of that, but, but we don't know because some like so again yeah. and you're, you're I think right, a I lot of them have that. garb to look like Lokis, but they're not actually Lokis. Yeah. That's how I that's how I took it that they were just that's, I, I thought the same thing. Yeah, they so, all, so it, it was like they're too ragtag to I don't know if I was a Loki, I wouldn't want to look the same as all the other Lokis. Yeah, though that one Loki for sure is there, the one with the necklaces. Mm-hmm. The only other one that I even got close to noticing, which I wrote down, was handlebar bike bike loki the one who had like two bike handlebars as his his crown but even then i'm like what kind of is that like a world where everyone is a bmx biker well in in that sense like i feel like that person could also have just been a person that found handlebars in the void and made the horns to like be like to say oh i'm with right i'm with i'm with him Um, but like but in in the case of like why mobius survived i feel um wherever he got pruned in from like part of like he 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 wasn't like that boat like that giant boat coming in is a big distraction that and that's how the smoke monster is gonna um come after him like whereas um mobius probably ended up in a field somewhere and like the it's there was good like what loki said later like when they were looking at the boat like it's gonna go after the big food and then the little food it'll like swim around or whatever you know so um uh yeah so i i don't think the necessitating that you're Loki is how you survive in the void. I think for some reason there just happened to be, we haven't be shown all the Loki variants for the most part, but, um, and like I said, I do feel part of the army of presidents Loki were probably just people that he picked up that weren't necessarily Loki's. Well, and that's probably why they had the, I mean, obviously that's straight from the comic books of the vote yeah. Loki button, but I'm sure maybe that's why it's like, oh, I'm with him again. Like this Exactly. Is my yeah. To show you yeah. like I'm part of this clan or whatever, you know, if you want to call it that. Yeah. That whole scene was really interesting. And it's funny. I, I skip over it just because, you know, again, it, it felt it was good. Uh, I'm I, I've always been and I know Marvel is too they they're very big on uh, not wasting action scenes and, and that's something that I, I think a lot of people appreciate is most of their action scenes are serving some character development type of purpose and I think maybe that's why is like they're really not in that one but it was still a cool action scene mm-hmm. and it also eliminated boastful Loki which kind of made sense again it was like if you'd have known it was not a surprise that he betrayed them both because he's a Loki but also because we've never seen him before so right. uh, that was kind of funny and then we also get and I we should have mentioned that but we get the fantastic alligator biting off the arm of Loki just the same as uh, what was the when I was watching I was like oh that's just like uh What's the movie where the guy gets his arm bit off? Uh, well, I mean, he... it's like it's like Thor: The Dark World, where like Thor literally cuts his ha- hand off. I mean, and, mo- and a bunch of the Phase Two movies were all like references to uh, Star Wars with Luke getting his hand, you know. So like oh, that oh, happened. Sure. That happened. Wow. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. All, no, I took it more of that, but like I don't know which whatever you're which one you're I, talking. Yeah, I'm blanking on what it was. It wasn't that, but I like that. Obviously, I feel like I Marvel know. always does that. Somebody always gets their hand cut off. But I loved it. Was like the alligator like moved really fast and then jumps on him and yeah. wriggles him and the guy, you know, he pulls it off and doesn't even notice it right away. So you know, it's like that ah. it's like a powerful Loki, right? Like they don't really feel pain but when he sees it's missing and starts screaming it was like that was great and then all, yeah. again hats off to uh uh classic loki because he he went off with all mm-hmm. of the shooting magic everywhere and then he created the the holograms of him and all of them so that they could escape like mm-hmm. so perfect and that's why I, I liked that scene in that sense where it was like it started getting that point of like why are we even here like why like 
we need to be focusing on the yeah. story, right? Like we don't need another fight. And so them to just leave right away, I was like, oh, awesome, yeah. cool. Like they're thinking ahead, they're getting out of there. And so then, yeah, they show up, uh, Loki and Sylvie or, or Sylvie and Mobius are coming off in the distance. And uh, I also love too how, uh, again, you're just seeing through very little dialogue how much Loki has changed in terms of every time he talks with them, he just talks up Sylvie the whole time. Like, oh, you can't, like, basically, like, mm-hmm. wait till you meet her. She's awesome. She's got great plans. And it's like, he doesn't have to say those things. And then the minute, you know, she shows up, he's like, Sylvie, and then, like, takes off. And I loved that, that he just genuine adoration for both her and for Mobius. Mm-hmm. And uh, gives, you know, Mobius, well, he doesn't give Mobius a hug right away. But Not yet. No. That, that scene broke me at the end. But uh, so, yeah, they're talking. His whole plan is to kill Elioth. Uh, and she's like, no, we're going to enchant him, uh, which was real. I loved that. I was like, oh, oh. And then I was like, wait, is that what she I was like, oh, OK. So it's like all started slowly coming together. And then we get that great scene where they're chilling out in another hideout. Mm-hmm. And we get a great and I've got this one written down too. great little some lines from our, our favorite Mobius. He says um well he basically he's looking at the the alligator loki yeah. it's like how do you even know that this is a loki variant and, and right. uh, classic loki says well he's green green and he says yeah but you know he could be lying uh but you know that is the long con he says there's always a game within a game and i, yeah. I respect that i i love that whole bit like it's so great and yeah. uh, and then says uh again perfect one liner of, of great character development of, of him saying it's never too late to change. And you see the look on classic Loki's face there, which again, you're setting up, you've now set up two breadcrumbs of him mm-hmm. talking about how his, he likes magic more than he likes using blades. And now he really wants to change. And you get a third one later when they're leaving and he looks back one last time, but we get even better with the Loki and Sylvie moment. And, uh, and I've got two bits on this and I'll let you go over, I'll go over this piece as well. But I just, I loved the sharing of the blanket, obviously, but I loved her genuine thank you to him. And then him saying my pleasure, uh, not only reminded me of Chick-fil-A, but also of like, I just, the genuineness between the two of them, it's just, it's so palpable. And I love that they still aren't ready to acknowledge it but they like their souls are acknowledging it. Like they know that they are meant to be together, at least for however long that is in terms of their own character growth. But he says, you know, what are we going to do when you're done? What are you going to do when you're done here? And she kind of, you know, makes the joke of maybe I'll have a, a timeline for you to rule. But he, she says, I don't know. And he says, yeah, me neither. And he says, maybe we could figure it out together. And she says, maybe. And I just, I love that whole bit. So talk to me. What, what did you love about this? Cause yeah, I, I, I thought it was great. Um, I thought it was uh, building off of the, uh, the beginning of um, uh, episode four with the Nexus event that we found out about why, like how they created the Nexus event and the two of them like building this relationship that they have. And I think I um, saw, I think uh, Sophia DiMartino said that they're like, she described them as they're like teenagers who have these feelings that they've never really like, acted on like ever before stuff you know so they're like they're like kind of like being awkward about it and like not really sure what to say and like what to do or whatever but they know that the feelings are there and that they're like something that they like should uh continue pursuing or whatever you know so um yeah I thought it it was a a great moment between the two of them um 
the examples like you said with the blanket and um the dialogue and whatnot of like um and especially the other part too uh that you hadn't mentioned when uh she said like oh and Sophie was like how can I trust you and then Loki was like I've uh betrayed my father my brother he didn't say his mother which I thought he was gonna say no I was waiting for him to say that too yeah yeah, I was waiting for uh, at the end and that would be like the real gut punch for him but he was like I betrayed my father my brother and like I knew I know now why I did that. And like, I'm not, I, I won't do that um, to you. And I thought that was like, that's a, a really genuine line from him and like nothing or whatever. And I, and I feel like he's initially when we, when the two of them were on Lamentis and whatever, like, I think he was trying to figure out like how much of like mental sparring he had to do. But like now that he's like figured out who Sylvie is, like he's like kind of dropped all that and he's just oh, like yeah. being, being him or whatever. So um, yeah, it was a great, great moment. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I was I was like, huh, funny, because like, according to Mobius, and it's funny, I never noticed that in the movie, mm-hmm. they don't ever make that a point in the movie of him saying you're it's your fault. And so I almost wonder if that's the one thing where he's like, no, the because t- they kind of say that too, where they're like, nah, you know, we I don't know about this Nexus event, the TVA might be lying about that, too. I could mm-hmm. easily see him being like, no, they were lying about that. It was not my fault. Like, and I wouldn't fault him for wanting to believe like, I would rather not believe that myself either, because that is a hard pill to swallow. Uh, and so then they get to a point now where they're uh, they're getting ready to leave, basically. And so the Lokis take them to where the the hunting ground is at this point, where mm-hmm. where Elias is. And uh, so they leave, and uh, but not before Kid Loki gives uh, him the sword of Sigurd, which is awesome. And that's funny because that we actually talked about that sword in the last episode for uh, from Loki, Agent of Asgard, identical sword where it gets you know catches on fire. Uh, so very cool. Uh, if you didn't understand that, uh, you know, it, it may seem a little strange of just like, okay, what's so cool about this? It's like not that big of a sword, but I love that he kind of made the little hilt for his back and then he like mm-hmm. puts it in his back. So it was all cool. I'm just glad that he's getting a cool new weapon. Um, but so, you know, they leave and uh, Sylvie gives Loki the tempad, which I'm like, what? And I guess, you know, she she's trying to be sweet to him, but he's like, I'm staying. And so she kind of, and I tried watching on the second viewing, I'm pretty sure she smiles a very tiny bit before saying, no, you don't have to do that. Like, she's like, thank God that you mm-hmm. are actually like, I, I didn't want you to leave. And so they give the tempad to Mobius who says, all right, I'm going to go burn the TVA to the ground. Thank you for uh, giving me the spark. Great line. Uh, and uh, But even better line, Loki hugs him and says, thank you, my friend. Mm-hmm. And he looks at Sylvie <laughs> and says, you're my favorite, which is, yeah. that is the epitome of Mobius because Loki doesn't know that. It's the perfect line to him. He's just whispering, you're my favorite. But he's looking like he's able to. Oh my god! Like talk about yeah. that. If you were saying maybe he was Loki, that would be the line that I would point you to because that's like such a silver tongue to do it that way. He's such a stinker, and then he <laughs> leaves. And so I'm like, dang! I can't wait to see what he does when he gets back. Like, how much can he actually do? I mean, I guess here uh, we're getting close to the end. So I'll say prediction wise, if he's going back, to me that means Renslayer is going into the void, uh, and maybe there is actually a void spaceship or something. But I would think if she's gone, he's going to come back. He's going to let B-15 out and he's going to do something where it's like, again, I, I made this argument on some of the earlier episodes of like that TVA is huge. There's there's millions of miles. Right. It looks like when you look out, Renslayer is the only judge. I don't buy that. I, I think there's like, no. I think she's things. just in. 
Yeah, in like her, her sector or whatever. Exactly. Like whatever. So, like, yeah. yeah. How is he really going to burn down the TV? I don't know. At least he's going to burn down that precinct. That's for sure. I don't know how. Uh, I'm sure there's a couple of buttons he could press and one form or another, but I uh, loved that though. I just love that he was like, I'm ready to go. Like I'm going to do my part and I'm getting out of here. And so they, uh, they go down there and um, they, the creatures coming Eliath and it's uh, trying to like, he's trying to distract Eliath while she uses the enchantment, but it's not working. And so, like we said a little earlier, the Loki looks back as he's coming. And so we see, one of the again i would think the cgi they said i'd say they saved it for this episode but every episode has been so good with the cgi and so this one's even better as he reconstructs asgard and he's just sitting there just yeah plugging away as oh my so badass richard and, richard e grant looked like he was having the time of his life like he, i mean the, the cape billowing <laughs> yeah. and and oh and then i, I wish he have said glory i didn't hear what he said the first time i watched it when he later on when he says glorious purpose but I, he should have said that then he, he goes he just said go but he glorious purpose would have been so great uh and so yeah so that is enough to distract yeah. Elioth. Uh, yeah. she sort of teaches Loki. It sounds like Loki knew all along uh, how to enchant. And so they both use it to crack open the door. But at that same time, Elioth, uh eats Richard Grant, so to speak. But this is what I was coming to. So we have now gotten a hint that Richard Grant is super powerful. And, and I put this line on here too. He's, she says like, how is he doing that? And he says, I think we're stronger than we mm-hmm. realize love that but i think that ties into this as well i don't think richard grant's dead i i think with him bragging about using a very complicated uh thing to get away from thanos and not only that when the creature's coming at him his hands start glowing and then he kind of just lets the creature take him but before the creature even does take him his stuff starts disintegrating so i think he used some sort of enchantment to get out of there he does not seem like the kind of guy that would give up that easily especially after being as proud as he was like i I don't know i just that caught i didn't catch that the first time i watched it but on the second round i was like i bet you he's alive he's gotta be yeah i i didn't i haven't even i didn't even think of that either way but i definitely i can see it both ways uh yeah either way is fine with me yeah but um yeah i think that that whole thing like especially the line was saying like of loki saying how is that classic loki is like we're stronger and i think that goes back to a thing with the daggers about how like uh, classic loki was saying like by using the daggers you were like stunting the magical abilities that you have right. like and you have so much more potential and power than like you probably realized um but yeah that whole the whole sequence was so great uh the yeah just like uh, especially yeah when you before you saw him like questioning as he was walking away with kid loki which i, I thought was interesting too when mobius uh mobius offered to bring classic loki and kid loki back oh, yeah, to the yeah. tva and kid loki's like no we're gonna stay like this is our home like that like we're gonna stay here and like uh hedge our bets you know which uh we'll we'll get into speculation but like if if kid loki is going to be a part of whatever this young avengers or whatever like how does how do we get to kid loki like how do we get is it going to just be another is this uh actor going to come back and play another version of kid loki that wasn't in the void or like or whatever but um yeah so i i like that yeah when they're walking away he looks back and he's like i I know what i gotta do like i i they're not going to be able to take this on and like i gotta help them and i thought it was cool like kind of what you were saying i noticed that though when he was doing the illusion of Asgard that like when the um, Eliath was coming, 
like he would like bring down the thing so it like wouldn't eat into the illusion like i don't know if that would like trigger it to know it wasn't real or something but like it would go for the top of the castle yep. and then like the castle would go like down so it would like jump over it and everything i like saw that, that as well and i didn't i didn't get it either i mean clearly he knows what he's doing and i yeah I exactly like too, but maybe like, it was just maybe it's know a, that it's an illusion then that maybe would... but maybe it was a way to like keep keep the keep, keep him coming back around sure. or whatever you know so yeah but then yeah at the end i definitely thought it was the end end of classic loki but i could uh i could see what you were saying that it was um that he could have stuck around with a master illusion or something, but if he I would did, say they're he'll, at least he'll... leaving it open either way, because I doubt Richard Grant is going to do anything more than this, which is again, totally fine. Right. He did more than enough for us in, in this episode, but I just, I, I like having the idea that I, I don't get why else would he have put his like, why? Cause he like, you know, he's coming at him and he holds his hands out and they both start glowing green and mm. he gets that smile on his face and uh and that's when he says glorious purpose so i i don't know i just feel like that with him talking about how he got away from thanos that same exact way mm -hmm. like i don't know i wouldn't put but it also at that moment like his magic is definitely like like he's definitely exerted himself like, sure, for, like, sure. The, so like i wonder if it's just the way of his like magic either trying to restart or like trying to like get Maybe some so. back and then but then also seeing it he's like he's just like content and it's like this is how I'm going out. Like this was my glorious purpose, like uh, purpose. And yeah, um, yeah. so, yeah, but like, I, so I could see it, that that's how he's just content with it. And it's like, that's how I'm going out. Or like you were saying, it's him trying to survive in some way. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, either way, like I said, either way is fine. I don't care. I just, I love, I love that they, they maybe kind of left it to be open-ended, but at the same mm -hmm. time he got a great ending. Uh, and so then, yeah, so the curtain is parted, the Eliath turns green, and we see a gothic castle with a glowing tower in the back. Uh, it seems to be some sort of like uh, Bifrost type situation on the uh, on the outskirts, it looked like, with like the way that it was kind of going up, maybe like a celestial type of thing, uh, but definitely outside of time, clearly. Uh, I, I couldn't capture much more than that. So when I when I first watched it, I, I just thought what I thought, which was like, oh, here we go. Bad guy castle. Cool. I didn't think any more than that. But then I know I saw a couple of people had mentioned that maybe this was, uh, was it called Cosmopolis? Chronopolis. I Chronopolis. Think. Okay. Yeah. Very possible. It could be that. I also saw that someone else said that that's actually the rendition of a German stronghold from World War II, where a lot of the Axis powers kind of hung out, which leads us into a lot of the other Easter eggs of like this being another myth. Like there's so many myths that are have like, like the DB Cooper stuff like that. This yep. is just, he's chose whoever this is, has chosen to hide in some other place like this. Honestly, I don't care either way. My first thought when I saw it was it reminded me of the quantum realm and of yep. the city in the quantum realm. So I was like, Oh, is this like, is that what the quantum realm is? Cause it would make sense, right? If the, the, the smaller and smaller you'd get, you eventually go outside of time. Maybe that's another way to get to this spot at the end of time mm -hmm. is through doing something. I have no idea. What did you think of all that? Yeah. I mean, I didn't, uh, I didn't, I figured it was some sort of castle or stronghold that maybe had some things in the comics that were related to it, but I wasn't sure off initial viewings on my second viewing i think i did notice there was like a i think there's like a flying craft i think i saw it like looked, to the right like, it's like, it was like a rock piece well, okay, yeah i so didn't know the video that i watched was saying that it, it was like kind of like uh thanos and avengers where it was like something sitting on like a half crater floating mm. around in nowhere so that maybe those pieces are just other pieces yeah, and so, bits of debris yeah it, it looked like it was 
to me, it looked like it was a, like a, a craft or something that like the stronghold has like a aircraft that like move sure. around or, or whatever, or like, or like kind of like a, a quantum, um, a quantum vessel kind of like an ant man oh, yeah, yeah. uh, like like some sort of thing to like move through if if it is in the quantum realm uh but yeah i definitely thought it was like the quantum realm like i mean that's been a, a thing kind of all throughout the episodes of like is the tva or um whoever's leading it like involved with the quantum realm or whatever you know so uh but yeah then seeing things about like uh chronopolis or whatever like i was like sure i don't know it myself but i'm like i wouldn't be that would be cool don't but i I didn't really know much other than it's like okay this i just hope now we're going into the last episode and i hope that we get like there's a resolution to it like i'm sure obviously it's as all marvel studio stuff is like they do kind of tee up the next thing but i hope that there's like definitely a good resolution to this story of like what's been happening, who it is and whatnot. So. Right. I think we, and that's, that's what I'm most excited about is getting that answer. Like I, I'm fine with Loki and Sylvie having lingering threads that we deal with in a future movie or a future season. Cool. Same mm-hmm. thing with Renslayer and whoever's back, back seating it. Great. Like lead that into Ant-Man. I don't care. I just want those, the, the science Rick and Morty things answered. Like I want to yeah. know more about, why they chose the time they chose of, of cutting people out, why they pruned specific people. How do they choose who they want to work for the, t- the TVA? Mm-hmm. Like who, who chooses who works for the TVA? What's the selection yeah. process? What's the recruitment process? I definitely went too far into that in the <laughs> last episode, but, um, but yeah, like those, those are definitely the things that, that I, I'm looking for. So yeah, let's, let's end with that. Well, we're not ending. We'll see <laughs> post credit scene with the, uh, uh, the Easter eggs, but what are you looking for in this last episode? Any speculation, any guesses on what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of people have been saying Kang and stuff and, and I can see that for sure. I, I've also seen some stuff uh, kind of floating around that I also kind of maybe buying a little more of it being a Loki variant that actually succeeded in overthrowing whoever initially were the timekeepers and like, and stuff, because the one, the one thing about Kang is that while he, we do know he's coming, he is a kind of big character to just kind of drop into the series lap on the final episode without like having see, like seen like a post-credit scene of him in after episode three or like some like guy in a shadow or something like doing something like to be like, oh, who's this guy? You know, like he's kind of big to just kind of like drop in the, the, the sixth episode. But if it's a Loki variant, that's kind of been we've been dealing with all right, of that you know exactly. so that's kind of easier to like to handle or whatever so that's why i'm kind of, so if anything i'm thinking maybe the final episode it, it the big person at least for this season is um uh a loki variant and then maybe like at the very telltale end or a post credit it's somehow kane gets involved of like him coming from another time to be like thank you for whoever like saying like, thank you to whoever was defeated for doing this. Now I'll continue on your path or whatever, like something like that. But like, he's not going to be the guy sitting in the throne in the castle. Like that's kind of uh, how, what I'm thinking, but maybe he is, but, but I'm just like, it feels a little big, but um, yeah, other than that, I hope uh, seeing at the TVA, whatever Mobius does with hopefully B-15, whatever they end up doing to like burn it down there. Hopefully Mobius will get a jet ski, that's just kind of the last lingering big thing I feel like that they left out. But um, yeah, that, those are kind of my thoughts of where I'm thinking. But I'm just excited. I'm excited because it does feel 
like we're at a better spot of of the ending for this than the other two series have felt like. Well, Wanda Vision kind of was Wanda Vision kind of felt like similar, a little similar to this, but I think this isn't a slightly better thing. So I just really hope they land this series like really well with the final episode. I, based on everything that I've seen so far, I I have full trust that this last episode is just going to be bonkers. I I wouldn't be surprised if we get two after credit scenes. I also wouldn't be surprised if we find out that it's Kang or uh, I, I saw someone saying, um, uh, who is it? The one that came before that, uh, that he's uh, the one that came before is the guy who created, who actually created the TVA in the comics. Okay. And so they said, maybe it would be him. I saw someone mention maybe the beyonder as well. Mm-hmm. All I know is I, I think that, you, you got to think of it this way too. They, there's room. Is it, hasn't there been rumors that there's going to be a second season? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. if you look at it like that, I think even having Kang at the end, I think is appropriate because all the best shows have that season one finale cliffhanger of like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, they, what did they just drop? And so if they made that Kang, that would be insane. Like you would mm-hmm. lose your mind. And I don't feel like you would be like, Oh, what? Cause again, like, I mean, at the end of the day, we've been asking for Kang the entire right. season. Right. So like to see yeah. him, I feel like would be wish fulfillment for a lot of people, but to see, I feel like whoever it is, is going to be big. I don't think mm-hmm. it's going to, if it is a Loki variant, it would have to be like, there would have to be some sort of explanation for it too. And, and maybe it is again, right. maybe Kang's running it that way. But um, yeah, so I, I, that's probably as much of a prediction that I have in regards to that. Again, I don't know how you burn the TVA down in one episode, but maybe they pull that off too. Cool. But again, those, we are thinking about it in the lens of a series and not the lens of a season. And so right. maybe what happens at the end of the season, season two is all about dismantling the TVA mm-hmm. and maybe season two leads directly into Ant-Man, that sort of thing, where we start figuring out more about Kang, we figure out more about how to get rid of the TVA, blah, 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 blah. So maybe. My hope by the end of this is I don't want Mobius to die. I definitely want him to get his jet ski. And I want both Loki and Sylvie to have that uh, acknowledgement that they want to not necessarily be together, but I want them to have something where we're like, we are one basically. Mm-hmm. And we, we need to hang out and kind of stick together going forward. And so I would love to see the future adventures of Loki and Sylvie doing whatever it is that they're doing. Maybe they, maybe they are tasked and here, I guess here's my final prediction. Mobius becomes in charge of the TVA and he assigns them and others like them to go and fix all of those timelines mm. now to to go into the void and bring back anyone who's left alive to go to those timelines because again I, we still didn't really see what happened with uh I, I, maybe you were one of the ones who mentioned that of like i don't know why we brushed over all the bombing of the timeline like, yeah like maybe we'll get something there of like yeah, they didn't really clean that up. Like we need to actually go clean up those timelines. Maybe they get sent on and they're doing missions like that. That'd be really mm-hmm. cool. Um, that's that's really about it. Uh, because like I said, I, I just, I feel like every episode I've gotten exactly what I want. So there's like, there's really nothing more that I need besides a satisfying ending. That's, that's the only thing that I want on that. Um, so with that though, let's dive into our <laughs> post-credit scene here. We've got all kinds of Easter eggs that we caught. I guarantee you, we did not catch them all. Uh, I was trying to make a Pokemon reference. Didn't, didn't work, but, um, <laughs> Kevin being the guest, I'm going to let you go first. Let's hear what you caught, what Easter eggs you got. 
Yeah, I did. Uh, there was definitely the Thanos copter. That was oh, a big yeah. one. Oh, yeah. um, uh, Throg. That was that was I think one everybody yes. was was very excited about. Um, I so uh, the Thanos copter. Uh, I'll try and uh, remember where they are. Thanos copter was uh, right before they're going down into the Loki lair with um, the after um, they, uh, Loki gets with the other variants. It's right off to the right, and you just see it sitting there with the, the big tail. This is Thanos, and then um, when they're descending, uh, you see uh, Mjolnir in the dirt, and then we mm-hmm. see a jar with a little creature that's like jumping and like grunting which i'm convinced is a uh, hemsworth um like they just like pulled audio of him from like a grunt or something because it sounded yeah. very hemsworth-esque uh, uh but he, he's not creditor or anything like that in the episode but i feel like they just like pulled like the the little grunts or whatever but um it, yeah that's th- uh, throg so it's either um a thor who got turned into a frog like what um we were uh, we were i think talking before the show about how in ragnarok uh Thor uh, tells that of how Loki once turned him into a frog um, or it's uh, the person in the uh, there's another person in the comics I think that's like a separate being that's like the frog or something like that but um, in any event with him and the alligator uh, we had, somebody had mentioned that uh, they're slowly seeming to form the pet Avengers which would be pretty cool you know with the various animals that we have uh, popping up here and there um, so yeah so Throg and then um there was, uh, uh, I don't know, it's uh, QN, QN, um, uh, I think it's on the Avengers Tower. Well, we don't um, talk about or support QN on, on no. <laughs> cinema, just for anyone no. wondering. Yes, no. Uh, oh, yeah, it's, it, it's I, uh, actually, it's Kang. It's, oh, Kang, okay, but it's spelled Q- Q-E-N-G, Kang. Yeah, yeah, so uh, apologies on not knowing that pronunciation. No, uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, the Kang Tower, which uh, has ties to Kang the Conqueror. Um, so that that's in somewhere. It's on the, whenever you see the Avengers Tower, it's just- That's like there. right in the beginning when they're- Yeah, one of those very at the beginning. Stuff. And then yeah. um, another one, which is I think on their journey to the Lear, which I didn't catch initially, but I've since seen some photos um, and I read about it was uh, uh, Yellow Jacket's helmet, which is- playing more uh, playing into again the idea of it th- this void and wherever this castle is in the quantum well qu- quantum realm excuse me uh which uh is where we last saw uh yellow jack he was going down into the infinite void uh when he was battling ant-man so uh, it's wondering if he's been down there all this time or something like that you know so those are those were some of the major ones that uh, i picked up on Nice, nice. Um, uh, oh, and then um, also um, the Dark Aster was uh, the yes. crash Dark, dark okay. Aster. Yeah, yep. That yep. was one other. Yeah, one. that was great. Um, yeah, Throg. Throg was pr- one of my favorites for sure, just because any any new Thor we can get is great. Mm-hmm. Um, Throg on his jar, it says T T three sixty five, which is the issue that he debuted in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my question is, because he's right there by that hammer. So I mean, what it's showing there is like. He's so close to breaking out of that thing to touch yeah. the hammer and then he'd be done. But I'm wondering who put him in a jar and then clearly buried him. Like yeah. that is, he's probably been there for a long time and mm-hmm. clearly doesn't need oxygen either. So, you know, good, right. good for him. Uh, so yes, I got the, the Thanos copter Kang. Yeah. And so from what I heard on that too, I uh, wasn't familiar with it before, but yeah. So Kang had set up a quasi company to mm-hmm. buy the Avengers tower in some timeline uh, which you know could is like oh there's a Kang reference but at the same time if that's Kang behind everything why would he be destroying his own tower so right. maybe a question there who knows it's again it's just an yeah. Easter egg. Um, 
uh, in before they go to fight uh, Elias at the end, we see a giant head of a statue of rock that is the living tribunal's head. Mm, okay. uh, that's right there. It's got kind of a, a cloth covering up to the mouth and you see the mouth just like in the comics. Um, multiple myths, I'll call them, that go throughout. I had to double check my math on some of these, but mm -hmm. there's a ship that's there, yeah, uh, a the pirate ship in. at the beginning oh, yep. that uh, I don't know the name of it, but it was something about, I think, a pirate ship that disappeared ancient times, something uh -huh. like that. Um, there's the UFO that's right there too, yep. super cool. Um, the first one I noticed, which I, I hope everyone did as well, just because I love this part of history, but the Lighthouse of Alexandria when, when the show mm. first opened up was awesome to see. So I'm hoping maybe they can save some of those books and yeah. for, for later. Um, so I got what well, Yeah, the Polybius game that's yep, inside the thing. I didn't know about that, but yeah, I looked up on that of like some game that was brainwashing people and then, you know, whatever it was, it got taken away by the men in black, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I, and I remember about because when um, the the vote for Loki was in the trailer, uh, that that oh, arcade oh, it, okay. was, it was in there originally, so I knew that was going to be uh, part of the the scenery, and I forgot about it until the episode came out. But that was sort of like when the trailer came out with the DP Cooper, like you thought, oh, they're going to be doing like exploring all the different myths right. and stuff, and it's uh, and these are just like blink and you miss it type thing. Exactly. You know? I think they're um, just acknowledging the idea that like this is this is the reason why you know what i mean like this is yeah. why you never knew about this or yeah. why it disappeared it just went to the void mm -hmm. which is a great explanation for all this you got the sphinx there's a yep. pyramid there as well uh mm -hmm. the uss eldridge which yep. is the giant carrier and i looked that one up as well which said that they were uh experimenting with invisibility and uh they there was yeah, like something one, yeah something with them disappearing in and they disappeared and showed up at yeah. a harbor like a hundred miles away or something like fascinating something like yeah super cool um i don't know if this is anything but the license plate on the car mm. was grn dash w one d uh which green for loki but i was i was like oh is it green world or green wid or I, yeah. I don't know if it's anything fancy. I remember seeing the license plate. I didn't, but then I was like, oh, it probably means something, but I wasn't sure what it meant. Yeah, myself. I don't know anything more than Green Wild, Green mm -hmm. World War One. I. I have no idea. Um, Dark Aster, the Sword of Sigurd. There's a Helicarrier as well. Yep, and the Helicarrier. Yep. Is one shot too. And uh, there's a couple of Leviathan carcasses too oh, okay. uh, that are there from Thanos' army. So uh again there's probably way more that we missed too that literally felt like every scene had like six things on the page but i'd also say don't try too hard pausing every scene because you may not enjoy the show that much after doing that too many times yeah but, um, but yeah super cool to see that many uh call outs in here and it just like i said really enhances the uh, the mythos of the MCU in that regard of like, not only are they answering the questions of all these uh, unexplained phenomena, but you're also getting all these random comic book accurate things of like, oh, this is, this is where th Frog Thor is, or, or mm -hmm. even to say like, there is a Frog Thor out there. This just happens to be a version of him that's trapped underground sort of thing. So yep. yeah, Pet Avengers, uh, yeah. I'm totally down, but only if they can bring Lockjaw in. That's my, my request is that we yep. get that Inhumans movie and Lockjaw's in. Same with the Young Avengers. I, what do we got? We got Kid Loki. We got America Chavez. Uh, you got the Wiccan. Speed, and Speed. Wiccan. Yep. Uh, we need Hulkling. So we need a Hulkling movie. Patriot. Or uh, and Patriot. you got Patriot as well. Yeah, so all we would need is Hulkling. Oh, Kate Hulkling is going to come in Secret Evasion. Uh, yeah, Hulkling yeah, might come there. there. Yep. Yeah, and Kate yeah. Bishop will be in Hawkeye. 
So yeah, they're, defi- they're, they're, de- they're definitely seeding, seeding that for sure. Like, it's like, it's very apparent. It's like one of, now it's like the, the, the secret of like, we know what's coming. It's just, it hasn't been officially announced and we don't know if it'll be a series, a movie, like, or like a part of a movie or something, you know? So uh, it'll be yeah, interesting because there's a lot of other young uh, characters too, that aren't part of the young Avengers, but are made mm-hmm. more so like part of the champions, like, uh, yeah. like Kamala Khan and right. uh, Ironheart. And yeah. uh, well, I think they're definitely going to be fusing. fusing exactly. And if I don't together. care how they do it, I, yeah. I would love to at least see a shot of the Kieran Gillen, uh, you know, young Avengers of, of those ones. Mm-hmm. And then maybe they join the others. That's fine. But I, I do love the idea that there's a bunch of young characters coming in to take over the mantle and maybe even some, I'm trying to think what, what else we got? Crocodile Loki, Frog Thor. Uh, what else? We, and and uh, we're going to get Lockjaw. That's my request. But who yeah, else Goose. We, Goose. Okay, goose. fine. Yeah, yeah, we can get goose in there as well. Um, uh, the um, the dog, uh, Kate Bishop's dog. And, oh, lucky. Uh, uh, yeah, lucky. Lucky. Yeah, that'll be a good one. I hope he's got. I hope we see a scene of him eating some pizza. That would be great. Yeah. Uh, who would Captain America? Well, I guess they don't really have any of the other ones like that. But that's eh, that's enough pets for me. I think. Yeah. It could be a whole. That that <laughs> seems like something good for like an episode of a show. Not we don't need a whole Pet Avengers movie, especially with uh, DC yeah. doing that. Or that could be a, that could be a, one of the what if that could be. Yeah. A, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So okay. You know what? And that that was something I remember you mentioned this a while back, and I don't think anyone's mentioned this on the show yet. So I want to mm-hmm. give you give you the spotlight as we close out. Uh, what's going on with what if is this show going to lead into what if do you think oh yeah i mean i definitely well back when they bombed the timeline it's like oh there's how what if happened right and they gloss over it and like oh we fixed it it's like okay maybe not but yeah i definitely feel like whatever happens at the end of this is like it'll be a reason of why um why they uh why what if like is occurring and i mean i think uh david who you've had on in the past i think uh, our friend david he had mentioned that one of his ideas that I want to give credit where credit is due, he had said, like, what if, like, there's a, like, something with Loki is, like, the reason why it's, like, animated or something? I don't know if he said oh, it. I said he, it. He one, said one of us, one of us Miss said it. Minutes, if Miss yeah. Minutes takes over and turns everything, like, animated. Yeah, animated Which, yeah I was like, this is Which the like, wildest theory I've ever heard, but it's, like, so, it would be so awesome. If yeah, that, it if would be, cool. like, like we knew, like, Marvel was just like, oh, animations, like, it's going to be easier to do all these stories because, you know, you don't have to have the actors yeah, or whatever. But, right. like, if they actually created an in-universe reason of, like, why it's animated, that would just, like, you know, blow my mind. But um, my th- I think that, like, some things have been kind of... Uh, uh, seeping out a little bit in um, parts of the internet, but I have this idea anyways of that, like, each, it's been billed as each individual episode of what if will just be, like, a standalone story, and we have the Watcher played by Jeffrey Wright, like, kind of, like, narrating the whole thing, but I feel like there's going to be either global, like, series start and stop bookends, or, like, in, in yeah, each individual yeah. episode that's going to kind of, like, it's going to, it's going to through line a lot more than I think instead of just being like an like a strict anthology of like here's this episode and like it's contained and it told the story like that's it like there's going to be a through line of like something overarching happening between each of these yeah, what if storylines totally. and stuff which i think is going to be pretty cool and i think we'll get more people excited about it than they probably already are well because i mean i'm excited to see what it's going to be and like but knowing that there's like going to be a larger narrative purpose to it like that's pretty mm-hmm. cool and we'll need to hopefully hopefully get an answer of like where was Jeff? Where was Uatu in this whole thing? Yeah. Like he's not watching the TVA at all. He's yeah. not trying. I mean, I guess he can't interfere, but 
damn dude like yeah. we needed your help <laughs> but uh but i totally agree it, it re- in that vein it reminds me a lot of like wandavision where you've got each episode is like a sitcom but there is an overarching thing yep. and so him bookending it I, I think i talked about that as well uh totally agree with that so that's that's fantastic but um awesome so that that brings us right here to the end of this episode uh, thank you so much, Kevin, for joining us on this one. This was fantastic to talk with you. Uh, I feel like I learned a bunch of new things from you as well. So um, this was so fun. Yeah, thanks, Alex. I really appreciate you having me on and uh, glad we could talk. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm back in business. I'm not taking a vacation for a long time. Uh, keep your eyes peeled this weekend uh, for hopefully getting out a Black Widow spoiler review uh, with a very special guest. And then uh, I'm trying to think, I, I know we'll, we'll try and do a Black Widow comic book episode for the end of the month, but we will be back for that final episode of Loki 2 to dive into that. And then, you know, whatever else happens during the summer. So for comics and cinema, thank you guys so much for listening. My name's Alex Klein. We will see you at the end of time.